1: Oh my gosh! Hi, Jess. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi.
0: (laughs) That was a very sympathetic. Hi. Hi. Yes, Uh I know. It's actually a pleasure because I don't have to see the sad in your face as you greet me.
1: The sad in my face? Well, I didn't say it's sad. It was just like yours. It was
0: like.
1: I know. Was it me? Yeah, dude. It wasn't me. Was I it? didn't start it like All that. Right. You, and so then I was like, hi, because you'd started it. <laughs> That's already awkward. It's totally awkward. So shall we just All go right. into it? Let's do it.
0: We should go into it. So I, I actually, did, I wasn't sure if you had put something like the last two episodes were recorded before Christmas.
1: Yes, I did. I actually did. I added a, how would you say it? A disclaimer,
0: a notesicle.
1: A notesicle. That said that these two episodes, episode 25 and 26, were recorded on December 21st. Yes. Yes. So, uh, but you didn't say anything else? Yes, I did. Of course I did.
0: Okay, okay. Yes. All right. So then if you've been listening, you know that what happened. If you haven't been listening, you haven't tuned in over the holiday. Um, Unfortunately, my daughter um, passed passed away on the 22nd. So the day after we recorded the last two shows or one and a half shows. Um, she accidentally overdosed on heroin. I'm not sure. I mean, you can I guess because it's a podcast and not Facebook, I could could and maybe should give detail. I don't know. There's like literally no precedent as to how you treat this with your audience. People who are connected with me and listen and who were friends already already know. Um, But I know amongst each other, there's lots of questions that you've been bombarding either Elsie with or John with or, you know, maybe that you're just thinking about yourself. So I don't think it was a secret that she's been sick for a couple of years. It wasn't until she started using heroin that I knew she had a mental illness because just a lot of things she was doing while she was um using that was congruent with stuff she was doing when she was <gasps> younger. Thank you for that. <laughs> I don't know what that little cadoodle was. but that, that was, was fun. Doing.
2: That was John forgetting to turn off his notifications. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little rusty. I apologize. Okay. No off. No, no more. Worries. Sorry.
0: No, it was good. So, um, so yeah. So, she was mentally ill Um, in the last couple of months. The last six months, I had been searching for a place that she could go that was more focused on mental illness than addiction. Um, She had already been through addiction therapy and it hadn't really worked. Um, we did find a place that would work. She also found someone to love there. She couldn't be in love with a client and stay there. She left and, you know, she belonged there. She needed a residential treatment center that focused on borderline personality disorder. She was getting better and she ended up having to leave because she did a typical borderline thing, broke the rules and, you know, was discharged. So since she left there, things were difficult. I know she was trying really hard. Um, I, I did post that I, I thought it was on purpose only because when she left my house six months ago, she had been trying to do that on purpose. But this particular time I know that she didn't because she had already applied for and gotten into that same treatment center that she was discharged from. She just didn't know it yet because they called her the morning she passed away to tell her that she was accepted with a full scholarship. Boom. Which sucks. Mm. It's very painful. But um, Nice how I just like breeze right past the painful part. I don't want to let it sink in for anyone. Uh, so anyway, um so yeah, I know it wasn't on purpose and it's very confusing. I know that you guys have been around me when she was having trouble or heard me talk about it on here. It's confusing. I'm very sad because she's my little girl. I'm sad because she was my friend. I'm also relieved because in a lot of ways she was not my friend. She was driving me bananas, and that's a very, very large understatement. I think that anyone who's tried to rely on me in the last two years for anything has had difficulty, and she is one of the, if not the biggest reason why. She was not constantly in need of attention, but when she was, it was always an emergency. She had an emergency. I mean, everything was an emergency. Her groceries were an emergency. Her medication was an emergency. Her having to get to therapy was an emergency. That's just the way she operated. It made everything else have to come second and so it is a relief now that I don't have to deal with that and also a relief that she's not miserable. She was miserable. I mean if you look up borderline personality and you certainly don't have to but I'll just tell you, borderline means on the fence between neurotic and psychotic, so imagine, imagine your tiny bit of anxiety that you feel in an elevator or um, speaking in front of people and then magnify that a thousand times for everything that you do. Nervous to eat breakfast, nervous to drive um, to work, ragefully angry when someone tries to cut you off, nervous when you get to work, ragefully angry that your boss changed your schedule. Like it's torture to live like that. You don't want your anybody to live like that, much less your kid. So when she did start using drugs, I was like, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Why would she stop? Because living like that must be anguish all the time. So it doesn't mean I wanted her to pass away, but now that she has, I I can't help feeling like (sighs) she must feel so much better. Yeah. And I I have Um, to say
1: that I never, I mean, I never understood um, a lot of the, borderline personality disorder stuff. I mean it's taken I think tons of reading from my part to even without being around her, you know, cuz that without the experience of, of of like kind of like a personal experience of what BPD is. Mm -hmm. I still didn't get it. I mean, I don't understand. I couldn't understand. I couldn't. My brain didn't wrap around it. And it was and the more that I read and the more that I, I think it was really the compilation of uh, people's experiences with other people Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, oh, I, I understand. Holy crap. You know? So, and the other thing is that it's
0: not just anxiety and rage. It's also that they... Are constantly feeling abandoned they can't keep any kind of like interpersonal relationship alive and also they don't have a good sense of self so they're constantly like reinventing themselves because they don't fit in anywhere in their own head right so so i was const- so my conversations with her during the day were sort of like good morning how are you i woke up pissy okay well try and you know eat a breakfast i don't have time for breakfast i have to get to therapy can i get an uber and I have to stop what I'm doing because she'd give me eight reasons why she couldn't figure out the bus that day or didn't have the money. I'd get her an Uber. She'd get to therapy. Then she'd text me during therapy how angry she was at everyone else there and how stupid they were and how their problems were meaningless. Hmm. Then this is just a typical day. Right. Then, <laughs> then <laughs> she would be leaving therapy to come home. And then, you know, she might text me something funny, which is cool. Or she would call me and then. You know, I'd see her post on Facebook. She would post in ebonics as if she were African American. She is not. I noticed that she had, like, the Instagram on Instagram and her Twitter, the Dominican flag. Apparently, she was telling everyone in Utah she was partly Dominican. Not true. (laughs) Never been true. And also that her family is half black, which, you know, as much as we wish that might occur, also not true. And so, you know, I would see that and then I, it would irritate me because I was like, oh, here she is still trying, you know, still herself isn't good enough, not good enough. And then something would, you know, she'd post like her cleavage or her ass on Instagram or Snapchat. And then I'd have to text her and say, get it off of Snapchat. That's not appropriate. That's not the right way to behave because reckless behavior, impulsive behavior, that's all part of it, too. And then she would ring me out for an hour about how I was trying to control her. And then I would stop talking to her because I would get angry. And then about a half hour to an hour later, she would tell me she was sorry and she really loved me and she didn't want me to go away. So and that was I mean, if that's just her mother, every relationship was like that, though, like she would want someone's attention. They would give it to her. She would be disgusted by them and make them go away. And then she would be sad because they actually listened to her and went away and then she would want them to come back. And, the, and every, I mean, her fa- racial relationship with her father, her brother, her friends, her boyfriend, everyone. It was always like that. It was, it, I mean, and again, I knew she was mentally ill, but it was still painful to deal with, painful to watch. And the personalities were just annoying. I mean, like, I knew, I know it's a part of BPD, but it's like the kind of thing where it's just like, okay, but now that you know that you're borderline, can't you just stop doing that? Like, why do you have to still be somebody else knowing that you do it? But I guess it's kind of like OCD, right? If you're compulsed to wash your hands and you have OCD, you still don't stop washing them.
1: You just know why you're doing it. Exactly. Yeah, It's sort of one of those things where you're sort of like outside of yourself. And I think it, I mean, if it is like OCD and it's more about the feeling, you know what it, it's sort of like, um, or the people who cut themselves that there's a release that happens when they perform the action. However, you know, however wrong it might be, or, you know, hurtful to whoever, there is a sense of relief, because that's sort of like, what gets them, the only, you know, the only or makes them feel alive or something. Yeah. So okay, so
0: let's, let's even set aside the fact that you have borderline personalities. Let's pretend that doesn't even exist now that we have like a glimpse into it. When you are a person in high school who starts using and you're in pain for whatever reason, you get yourself into scenarios that usually are traumatizing you know like you are drunk and acting in a you know not just inappropriately or you get into a scenario where you commit a crime or you get into a scenario where you're around drug dealers or other unsavory characters and you see things that you shouldn't see like that's additional layers of trauma on top of the fact that she's mentally ill Hmm. and then you take away all the things that make you feel better which is drugs so like i you know, she's sober every day and it's like torch like mental torture. So it was just hard. It was hard watching it and um it was like in the holiday season it didn't really exist. But like we can move on from that because I'll probably do I mean, people keep encouraging me to to do I was gonna do a podcast before, before she even passed about just the experience of trying to get her mental health help, which has been frankly not easy e- harder right. than it needs to be let's just say but there's this whole there's this whole aftermath that i thought would be interesting to discuss today because you the listener and you the co-host and you the producer you're all you're all part of the aftermath there's the jessica and what she's been dealing with up until death and then there's jessica after death and like first thing john said when this happened i thought it was so interesting she was like Who is she going to be when she comes back? Like, this is the last – he didn't want to publish the episodes because it was the last recording of me pre-never having lost a child.
1: Yeah, that's exactly exactly how I felt. I'm now a forever
0: different person. And, you know, it's only a month later. Maybe I am. Maybe I just has not – I mean, obviously, it's not going to set in all the way. But, like, I also am on an anti-anxiety medication that does make me somewhat dead inside. So – Processing things takes longer and requires more thinking through stuff, which I don't bother to do a lot. So even though I'm sitting here talking to you about it, like I don't particularly feel, what do I feel? I don't know. Meh. I just feel a general well, meh.
1: Well, like you, you know time. what? I, I mean, not to, not to diminish, diminish your, your general meh, but I think that there are certain levels of correlation that go f- with birth and death. Um, you know, the same sort of, we have preconceived notions of, uh, behaviors or feelings around these events. So mm-hmm. you have a baby. Yay. You Oh my God. You're a mama. You're, woo-gee! you know, yeah. there's that. And then there's, Ooh, you know, somebody, oh my God. you passed ha- away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're sad. Oh, right. And people know awful. how to be right. Right. And I think that there are certain times when that happens, there are some of us that absolutely fall into those categories where, you know, you, you know, somebody dies and it's like, holy, you know, you feel, I mean, it's like the pictures that you watch on TV, you know, like in the movies and all that stuff. And then you have a baby and oh my God, instant love. I'm so in love. I will never, uh, you know, this has already changed me. right
0: Whereas, what? Go ahead. Even that experience with her was not the same. I was 22. I was 21. No, I just turned 22 six days prior to having her. I remember what you guys were doing when you were 21. It wasn't giving birth. So, like, I I, I didn't know how to be that. I didn't know how to feel then either. Her Mm -hmm. whole, my whole experience with her from start to finish was unorthodox. (laughs) So, I guess it doesn't surprise me that it would end that way too. But, like, you know... Yeah. People are so excited for you. I wasn't excited. I never babysat. I didn't want to be a wife or a mom. I didn't want nothing to do with either one of those things. I didn't know how to give her a bath. My mother had to show me. And like, um, I didn't even know how to like, I didn't even know to kiss her when she was first born. Like I saw other people hugging and kissing her and I was like, oh, I guess she won't break. That sounds like a good idea. Well, it that's was like an I observance.
1: I think that that is. Exa- I mean, I think that that you're n- unique in that. I think there's a lot of us who feel like that, and I think that there's a lot of us who feel like that who are grown up, like who who are having babies. Yeah, We're 30, right, thirty, right? they are thirty or forties, and have a baby, and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to feel like, oh, I can kiss this baby and love the baby and do this stuff. And in all honesty, you know, I I sometimes I don't feel like that. I don't feel there's times when I'm like I am now a completely different human being, absolutely from being a mother. It has changed me to the core. Of course. Of course. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I love being a mom and it, it is part of my identity, but it's not like, even when, you know, when I first had Hunter, it was a hard, it was a challenge. No, it was not easy at all. I felt like I didn't, I didn't even bond with her. I don't think until she was like somewhere around nine months to a year and people would be, you know, asking me Questions like that, sort of like the way people are tweeting you now. Like oh, that's shizy. a
0: long time. They get pretty cute around three months. Well, no,
1: it took me for because she was a little bit on the PTSD side, dude. She did not stop uh, crying for like mm. almost until yeah, she was twelve months. Oh, see, Emily too, but she
0: cut that out around two months.
1: No, she did not. She kept going, and so it was one of those things that I didn't even know how to behave around her. And then Randy and I would look around and look at other kids. And other kids were like having no, like they could would take them to the, you know, restaurant and and people would go, oh, how cute. Look at the baby and stuff like that. Or they would go and with another like, person like, <laughs> and, yeah. And then um, uh, May And I mean, sorry, this is Hunter. Hunter did not in any way, shape or form want people around her. What she would flip out. I never got a chance to go sit at a restaurant and eat. Every time we attempted to do it while she was a baby, I ended up walking up and down the sidewalks, pushing her as fast as possible so she would be lulled by the sound of the pavement h- hitting the wheels while Randy sat with the other person thing. or by himself eating in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it was it was awful. But anyway, all I'm saying yes. is that I, I think that this sort of thing, it's like people imagine that this is the way to behave, but there's times I think it's a lot more... Um, common now to understand that moms, new moms are having different emotions, but I don't think we are as skilled in dealing with the death side of things.
0: Yeah. And you know, um, I'm certainly not skilled in dealing with it myself. I, right. I, and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and I think also I should have been going to therapy all this time and I was really just blowing it off until something was going to crack, which is typical. What you do with your mental health is just blow it off until you can't take it anymore. And I was still coping. So, like, I never went to therapy. So now I think I might have to deal with, like, not just her passing, but everything leading up to it, all the trauma. Like, there's so many things that I just stuffed way down that I didn't want to deal with and talk about or tell anyone about or even acknowledge that it happened. Like, I just am in not denial, but... Refusal to acknowledge some of the things that she put me through or that I had to deal with. And it sucks because anyone who has seen me in person in the last year, whether you know it or not, I was dealing with a major, major crisis because every time I went on a trip last year, that was a perfect excuse to relapse, disappear, wreak havoc, rob me, scream at people, go to the hospital. I mean, Anytime I was in Florida or Chicago or Jersey, anytime I was speaking at the same time my daughter was creating, she was like Madam Mayhem. So it must have something to do with me. I don't know what. But when I finally, at the end of the year, when I finally pointed it out to her, she was like, huh, I'll bring that up in therapy. Like She didn't even know. Oh my gosh. She didn't even know. She was like, wow, that's interesting. No way. Yeah.
1: I mean, I caught on with it even just in small small ways.
0: Well, because February was PodFest. Then I did – she actually was with me in April when I spoke uh, in Minneapolis. And then we did June in New York. And then we did um, July in Chicago. Yeah, every effing time. She was up to something. It was terrible. So anyway, so – I still have trauma about that, that I haven't dealt with much less the fact that she's like gone now and I can't yell at her about any of it or deal with any of it or I don't know. Um, But, but, but moving on to how other people are supposed to behave. Like I I can't, all I can tell you now is what I've appreciated and what I have noticed, you know, because ever the, ever the human behavior observer, right? Like I can't even just tell you how it feels like, I can also explain to you from an outsider's perspective, like cards, when you send somebody a card and and yours, especially Elsie, it's like a treasure because someone took the time to both buy you a card, put it in the mail, put a stamp on it, which, you know, finding a stamp is like a <laughs> commitment these days. It's a big deal. And so I'm, I'm endlessly touched by cards yet a month later. I'm just like, I don't know what to do with these cards. I want to keep them, but then it feels morbid to keep them. It's not the same as keeping a birthday card. Like I, I want to keep them, but then I'm just like, but if I keep them, am I savoring? What am I doing? If I'm keeping, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, I don't want to, I don't know. I'm endlessly aware of my own. I don't know. I guess I'm always judging myself. So like, there's that. And then, you know. From being a person with ADHD, I'm also – I think the reason why I'm such an observer of other people's behavior is because I've been very aware from a very young age that I annoy people. And so I'm always watching to see if I'm annoying people. And so it's also made me very aware of other people's emotions instead of my own. So like when I see people in person and they cry, I'm worried I'm not crying. Right. I'm concerned I'm not sad enough on their behalf or that they're worried that if they cry, they're going to make me cry, which doesn't usually happen. Um, And I don't I'm not bothered by other people's emotions. I'm just worried, like, should I be having some or I mean, I know it's it's ridiculous, right? Oh and and I don't think the other person is like knowing – you don't know that you're placing this obligation on someone else. Like if you do see me in the next month or so, which will happen, you can cry. It won't. I, I'm very touched by it because I know that her story is sad and that losing your daughter is sad and that it sucks for me and I'm sad. I am very sad, but um, on the inside, I have found myself wondering like should I seem sadder? or cry more or something like that. I'm not sure what to do. Um,
1: and uh, I, you know, t- talking from the other side of the equation, yes. where I am, what would you uh, do? I am yeah. a, a complete mess. So it is incredibly hot Like I feel so much like I, I, again, I can't, I, it's very hard for me to articulate. I words, almost feel like I'm transferring
0: my emotions to you. That's how
1: much you feel
0: versus me. <laughs> so- <laughs>
1: so then like you may I be picking these... up all the things i can't feel <laughs> maybe because i have like this incredible feel, like i have feels like crazy so then like immediately i get feels like it's not a mental thing <laughs> right. like i can't have a thought and go i am sad it is like a wave and then tears just start coming and i am like this i am like the. i am like this period so that i cr- crying is just something that happens it's just ever since I was a, a little tiny baby and so it's really really challenging for me to have anything that is impactful, important or mean something to me I will cry and there are times when I feel exactly the opposite or exactly what you said but in the opposite Should I don't I not want be crying well, yeah. And that we're saying, I need you to know, Jess, that just because I am a blubbering mess and I could barely speak, I am fully (laughs) in control of myself. I am perfectly sane. I am okay. I am not gonna die. This is just me, you know. And but the what you see is like holy, what is no
0: not from you. But see, there is also levels of. People, we have the right. inner circle. It's like Dante's Inferno of hell, right? There's like seven levels of hell, but related to other people. And I don't mean people are hellish. I just mean like you have your core, your yeah. closest yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. You're yeah. in that core. If you didn't cry when I saw you, I'd be shocked because even when I'm happy to see you, it almost know, brings me No, even when exactly what I'm when there's saying. nothing going on, I kind of want to cry when I see you. I we just never get to. <laughs> so like, and that's the closest right. I come to having a strong emotion around that's someone. Right. Is like, we're- oh my god, you're right. And then the next level is like people who you grew up with or people you haven't seen in a while. And the next level is like a quick. So this is the thing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about Isaac just started daycare four months ago. There are staff members that work there, some of which I know better than others, his teacher, his aide, um, the woman at the front desk. There's about three of them, some in the morning, some at night. The woman at the front desk at night, um, I hadn't been in a while. Uh, she took one look at me and just started bawling. I've probably said four words to her. Most of them being "Have a good night," "Have a good night," "Have a good night," "Have a good night" for three months. Now all of a sudden, I'm so sorry. It's the worst thing that's ever. I'm so and I'm just like it's very sweet. All I've said is you're very sweet. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know it's I'm consoling her. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's like uh, I don't even know her. Like if I saw, like uh, you know, just knowing the people who listen to this, like my you know, like Jessica Rhodes or Liz Cover. Like those are people where if they did cry, you know, Liz. First of all, I don't (laughs) expect that, Liz. But like (laughs) people that I know that you and I have met before, if you're listening to this and you and you get teary. I would expect that. We've met. We've done business together. We're friendly. We like each other. I know you. I feel, we've had dinner together. We've collaborated. Great. That I don't expect to have to console you. I would say, you know, just the fact that they're emotional on my behalf is means a lot to me. And so, but, but a stranger, that was weird. That was a weird scenario and it keeps yeah. happening.
1: <laughs> so it's, no, like, I know. it's like, and it's it makes like, you and not want to leave the house. Exactly. And I, you know, what I've made me think about too, about this stuff is like, how can I serve Jess and when am I serving myself? I had right. that come up a lot because there's a point, you know, um, where there is a very distinct difference between being of service to somebody else. Being there for them, being somebody who is going to help, to to really be helpful about doing stuff, versus yeah. exactly what you're saying, where it's like all of a sudden you are worried for the other person, and you really are because it's true. It's like there are two levels of grieving. There is a your, there's your grieving, and then there is the shit that I have to deal with my own self. That may, I don't know, whatever right. you know. Death whatever is sad. It's for you. Yeah, right. it brings up stuff for me or something, right. whatever. Where I have to deal you're with my own do- stuff. Right. But where's the line, right? So we, I think we have to be mindful as human beings that whenever we approach a situation in this way, we, we are aware, am I doing this for me or for them? Or if this is happening, I really need to get a hold of myself because I'm not, I'm not helping the situation here. It's becoming something else and that's not it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think
0: what's good is in a public way, if you are connected to someone the following are things I'll just do. I'm just going to rattle off do's and don'ts.
1: <laughs> I yeah. feel like that. Hey, would be that's fun. fine.
0: Do's and don'ts for when someone you know publicly has someone pass away, and you're in their their Dante's circle of hell, so to speak, as we all are. Okay, this is what I've learned, and I and by the way, you should all know that before Emily died, I was number one terrible about sending cards, sending, fla- you know, I'm I'm not good at that. I'm not good at checking in with people. I'm not good at fo- – I'm the worst follower-upper in the world. I have to set reminders for myself. That's how bad I am at it. So if I've ever done this you know, where I've just forgotten about you completely, I'm very sorry. But so the dues include <clears throat> sending a card even if the other person is not sure what to do with it later. It's extremely thoughtful. Every single card or, or note I've gotten has been heartwarming and appreciated. Send a text – send us Facebook message, send an email. All these things have been incredibly touching and helpful and make me feel loved and supported. Um, if you want to even go one step further and offer your ear and offer your time and your shoulder or even tell the person that you have experience with the scenario, whether it's death or the way the person died or the problem they were having, et cetera, that's also helpful. Don't expect the other person to take you up on it But knowing you're out there is very meaningful to me, at least. Um, That has been amazing. Um, Jews send food, whereas I think non-Jews send flowers. Um, And so... What
1: kind of food do you send?
0: Well, so a traditional Jewish funeral... Um, you put the person in the ground as soon as humanly possible and then you sit in your house for seven days grieving. It's called Shiva, five to seven days. While you're there grieving, you're not to leave the house You're not to put on makeup, you're not to shower, you're not to do anything You're not to look in the mirror, nothing You're just grieving and everyone around you Your community is supposed to be helping you Waiting on you, taking care of you So the reason I think you send food Is for this reason, that they assume you're grieving And that they don't want you to bother With having to remember to feed yourself Or other people that could be stopping by So like Emily died and I woke up and There are bagels on my doorstep That's kind of how that went Wow (laughs) My neighbor brought bagels. She's not Jewish. My neighbor brought bagels. um, And then that night, I had a woman from the synagogue that was like, I'd like to bring you guys dinner. What can I bring you? How many people? And like, I just counted the people in my house at the moment. There was like seven people. And so I was like, about six or seven people. She's like, great. And uh, she scheduled it with me for five o'clock and she brought over three rotisserie chickens um, and then all these side dishes that were pre-made from Wegmans. And then my mother-in-law says My my sister's sending in dinner It'll be here in an hour And I was like What do you mean? We just got dinner And she was, she was like Oh well you were upstairs And I was like Yeah I know oh I, was I was upstairs Arranging dinner She was downstairs Arranging dinner And so she called Ellen But Ellen couldn't cancel it So an hour and a half later Four rotisserie chickens show up With a whole nother mess of sides mashed potatoes Green beans Whatever Now I'm in a house The day after my daughter dies With seven chickens <laughs> So, so, <laughs> right? So like, um and I'm, and this is not to say that food isn't helpful. Food is amazingly helpful. But for the next three days, anytime someone was like, I'm popping by to visit, I just telling John the other day, this is how the conversation went. Hey, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming by. I'm so sorry. I heard and I just wanted to see you. And are you okay? And yes, I'm okay. I love that you came by. Thank you so much. By the way, do you need a chicken? Oh my God. And the looks that I would get back <laughs> were priceless. The people would look at me like, what? Like, why would I need a chick? Like, it's just unheard of. And I'm like, there's seven chickens in this house, one for each of us. And I have a chicken to spare. Uh, I mean, and a lot of times they were bringing me stuff. Friends from camp were visiting. Friends from college were visiting. People drove. I think they were already on their holiday adventures. But like people drove from all over to see me and most of them were offered a chicken. (laughs) It's so stupid. But yeah, so um, definitely send food. I don't think you necessarily need to send a whole dinner. But like it is thoughtful. Even having seven chickens. I mean they didn't go unused. We made chicken salad. We made chicken soup. We did a lot of stuff with them. it was great to have food and not have to cook it. It was great um having someone send me bagels every day without having to make it and then like day two or three platters of sandwiches started coming from people some of them didn't even have i didn't know who they were from i had to call and argue with oh fresh direct oh wow about you know we got a plate of uh wraps who are they from we can't tell you what like, the hell you can't i gotta know so yeah so That was awesome and really helpful if you want to do something or even organizing. Like my sister tried to organize a meal train where in which you sign up to give the person dinner and you just like take care of that dinner when it's your turn. It didn't really work. But like that's essentially the idea is like I like the idea of being sent food because I'm a terrible cook anyway. But I know that's an intimate thing also. And you can't just like feel sad for someone and then just send them a chicken. It's weird. (laughs) Like most of you who are listening, it's not appropriate for you to send chicken. But I did appreciate the food, and I do think food gifts were nice. So like I got a package from Harry and David. That was very cool. It was pears, but then also like some popcorn, and that was kind of awesome. Um, what else have I gotten food-wise? It's been kind of good. Um, chocolate, some candy. Like that stuff's been really nice because that stuff doesn't die, although it makes me fat. The flowers, I've had a lot of pretty flowers, but – um. By now, most of them are gone. But now I have a lot of pretty vases, which is nice too. Well, that's nice. In case somebody else wants to get me flowers. Um, Things not to do besides maybe ask before you send food at the person. I mean, so here's what I like. I'm going to send dinner. Is there anything you don't want to eat? Yes, that's That's the right way. That's great. Because then you know no, no chicken. Yeah. So this is what my sorority sisters did, by the way, who I haven't talked to in almost 30 years, a lot of them. Wow. All got together and sent in honestly, if I was having a graduation party, it would have been enough food. Cuz it was 30 of them. It was like 25 or 30 of them. Each put in like 20 bucks and sent me so much pasta. I was like swimming in Italian. I could have had my own swimming pool of baked ziti. It's unbelievable. It was. It was not just baked ziti. It was chicken parm, eggplant parm, wow. spaghetti and meatballs, baked ziti, two huge Greek salads, and a fuck ton of garlic bread. It was crazy. Wow. And I was like, man, that's sisterhood right there. That was awesome. That was incredible. Thank God she
1: asked about the chicken, though. Yeah, if um, not, you would have had like m- m- more chicken. Just so. too
0: much. So um, okay, so the things that the things that are difficult. When you ask someone how they are, you should ask them in a way that makes them, you know, like, help me expect what kind of answer you want. Because I know some people are asking to be nice because they want you to think that they're thinking of you. So, like, how are you? And if I say, like, I'm okay, I'm doing the best I can. Once they say, how are you really? I don't know how to answer that. Because I don't know to what level you really want to know. And so maybe what level... Once have you, if you've ever said, how are you really to someone? I don't know. I, maybe I'm too socially awkward to know really how to like, then you do, you, do I follow up with like, I'm holding up or, I mean, I've been following up with the, how are you really by giving them a very small insight into my brain at that moment. And so how, when they say, how are you really? I'm like, well, today I'm trying not to think about it or today, or you know, today I just got angry at my cereal for whatever. Reason. You know oh like today, you know like today yeah. I'm trying to whatever. But I think the question how are you really is a tough one to answer. So maybe not do that. What else is a don't? Did I give you any other don'ts?
1: No, you didn't. Um uh, let's see. Like okay, mm. so let's talk about frequency. You know like follow up. Do you what what are what do you think has helped you in terms of um because I know now, here, so here's a conversation that we can go for from here in terms of like maybe guidance. It's like, how do you move on? Like, what's the best way to um, maybe don't continue to bring it down? Because I feel like then you would have a conversation like, so so how are you really feeling about her death now? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, are you wanting to have that conversation now? Maybe with somebody that you're with. I mean, I would with. With
0: the, I would with, yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. I mean, here's something that happened to me yesterday. Like, so Harry Duran um, of Podcast Junkies, who's a client, I sell for him. He just texted me like a week ago and he was like, I just want to have a call to catch up. And I'm like, all right. Um, he's a very spiritual guy. He's very like mindful and he doesn't do like spiritual as in like organized religion, but he's very, you know, meditation and yoga and that kind of thing. So this has nothing to do with that. I just assumed he want to talk about his ads. So I set up a call. He gets on the phone and he's just like, so tell me what's up. And I just kind of told him what's up. And then, I don't know, he just started life coaching me, which is great. I was like, thanks. <laughs> he, he, he was like, uh, he was like, honestly, I just I've been learning to trust my instincts. My instincts said to check in on you. That's what we're doing. Do you, you know? I felt like maybe you could use an ear or someone to listen to. And I was like, that was really helpful. Thank you, dude. And he was like, all right. So how can I keep you accountable for doing X, Y and Z? And I was like, well, all right, let's keep it going. I was like ready to get it was so intuitive but for no reason other than I don't know I I think he just was like he listened to an instinct that told him let's see how she's doing and like how how I can help how I can help with the skills that I have that was very useful in this way because like my spirit is sort of like in limbo right now and that was helpful I don't know it was just very helpful do I want to have a conversation about how I really feel about her dying I mean um, different people are asking for different reasons. So it depends. Like, my clients are asking partially because they're concerned, partially because they're like, how long is this going to delay my getting advertisers? And that's a valid question. So when my clients have reached out to me and said, I totally understand. I, you know, um, there's a delay. I totally get it. You know, some of them have been like, whenever you're ready. And others have been like, you know, they wait a couple of weeks and they're like, so do you have any updates? But this is the nature of what I do. And so like if it was a web design also, like if I've halted your design for two weeks, you can assume it's going to take that much longer for the deadline to come up. This is sort of the same thing where it's like if I had stuff on the table two weeks ago, I now have to go back, explain to a total stranger, not you, but the person I was pitching, what happened, why I dropped the ball and whether or not they're still interested, which is also fucking awkward conversation, and a difficult, because I, th- and this is an area where I don't know. Like, if you're in sales and your daughter dies, do you go back and say, I'm sorry I didn't follow up with you, my daughter passed away, or do you say death in the family? Because the death in the family could still be anybody, your mom, mom, you know, your husband's uncle, and that doesn't give you a reason for disappearing for three weeks. Right. So I've kind of been going that step further, but then I feel like I'm making them pity me. I don't know. It's complicated. It's very complicated. It's the same thing with clients. Like, I, like I said, I love that people have been reaching out to give me an ear. The work thing has been a little hairier for me because even though I'm ready to get back to work, I'm ready to talk about work, it actually helps me, makes me happy. Expectations are harder. Expectations are more complicated. Podfest, Podfusion, like, um, that's in six weeks. I, all the expectations that need to happen for then are fine. All the expectations that needed to happen a week ago, I've dropped the ball. Yeah. So I yeah, now yeah. have to catch up. So it's like... If I had people who were depending on me for something that they needed to have done a week ago and it can't be done later, I'm screwed. And and there's just no way to get around it. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have an amazing event. It just means it may have a few less sponsors or I don't know. We're still going to plan the hell out of it and do whatever we need to do. It's like enough time away where it's going to be perfect still and I'll be fine. Right. But there were things like there were some marketing blitzes I wanted to do that, you know, now feel a little late because the longer we wait to do them, it's like, well, how am I going to get on the, you know, a month away, a flight and, the, you know, they may not want to now. It right. would have been more appropriate. New Year's.
1: Yep. No. Anyway. And it's tough. And it and it, yeah. And then, you know, there's some stuff like that where you're just going to have to, you just have to deal. I mean, it's life. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot and of thoughts makes- about that as well. Yeah I mean
0: it also makes the whole part About how I feel about her death even more Complicated Yeah, because Here I've spent two years being Distracted by this now I finally have free Time and even though It's holding me up now I just kind of want to say to People like especially Kremitzos, like I so relish This opportunity but now I feel like I've Dropped the ball and you may not want us to do it again but I Really want to do it again in a way when I'm not distracted By a personal tragedy please give me another chance even though this year's the chance isn't over it's just like i just feel like i could have done more and i'm always going to feel like i could have done more and hopefully people will understand what i've been dealing with you know for the last two years a little better but it doesn't mean they need to put up with it right understanding and putting up with it are different and you kind of have to like i have to just be like people are either going to want to work with me now or they're not some people fired me right after she died Um, Probably because they figured I wouldn't be able to continue to do a good job. And that's their prerogative. I sort of feel like it's opening the door for me to do an even better job. But we'll see. I can't promise that I only know myself. And I know that this is all I've ever wanted to do is to focus and be productive.
1: Yeah, and I I, and I and it's a learning. so. So, what do you think about? So, we're talking about it here, also from a business perspective and a life perspective. What do you think? As you know, let's talk about it from the podcasting perspective. You know, from the from the expectations of the people because we need to acknowledge that there is a lot of, there are a lot of people that um, are not particularly in our she podcast group, you know, that there are, we have listeners to the show whose uh, interface with us is purely through their ears. Um, they don't, you know, they might follow us on social media here and there. They might follow me. They might follow you. They kind of know hey. us just via this space and this is just how they know us. So, um, and we, we, we are a part of their life in a different way because I feel that in the She Podcast group and in, in, in conferences and being, you know, industry experts or whatever that is, is primarily for a, a specific type of, 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 podcaster. I think that there is a little bit more of an investment from some of our people who listen to us, like the, the patrons, um, the, the ones that are sort of invested in us because they just really want to listen to us talk. Like they don't have any kind of an agenda. <laughs> they just want to know us. Yeah. And, um, you know, how do you get back? Because I remember sitting back, having had just recorded those two episodes thinking like, oh, and me planning and saying like these things are going to be going out because I'm like the one that does the majority of that stuff. And I thought like, how do what do you do now? Like, what? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do it? And I, you know, and I actually like, I talk talked about with it, you mean, I'm sorry, what?
0: How do you do? What like talk about?
1: Like how do you? When do you publish? You know, because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, we have two episodes in the can. We could just keep going. It's pretty awkward. Yeah, it's very awkward. And so I'm like, uh. And I what would you have done if I died? That's awkward.
0: This is really nothing. (laughs) Yes. If you think about it, no, I'm just saying. If you think about it, that is awkward compared to that. That's the real nightmare. I don't want to publish your last ever living (laughs) episode. And have it be about socks <laughs> and stuff you want for the holidays. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I totally, I get that. we had this conversation on here before. But somehow, I know
1: we did have that conversation. And, and I know, and I was talking with Erica Lira who is a friend and also like my business yeah. mentor, yeah, and yeah. she loves us, you know? And so then yeah. I like, I thought like, what do I do? And she goes, you just have to follow your gut. You follow your instinct.
0: What did your You've- gut tell you to do? Just. Publish, not but
1: put it don't put anything out like I couldn't really like I couldn't feel it, like I mean in terms of our schedule because I was looking at the schedule and I was thinking like this needs to be out on this day I need to do show notes this time I need to record an intro like I was thinking logistics right this needs to be done in order for this to be seamless um, respectful and transitional whatever and then I thought I'm not I'm not ready for that I'm not ready to record that intro. It took me, I don't know how long it took me to record those little tiny bits of intro because I'm like, I don't feel ready to do this yet. I, don't I didn't think even think of you know, it from spice.
0: that perspective. I Space. wouldn't have been ready either. I would have been still too horrified for you. Can
2: yeah. I jump in here for just a second? Yes, yes of
1: course. Go, John. Go, John.
2: Well, when I we had recorded on a Wednesday, Thursday morning, the phone rang and I look, it's Elsie and I pick up the phone and she tells me the news and it, the, the, the blood runs out of my face and I don't know what to do. So the first thing that we Kind of decided to do was take the mentions of Emily out of the episode, you know, because we thought that That's might right. be too hurtful and heart you know. Yeah, and it would be out so out of context. So That's we did really that, mm-hmm. and then I had the whole episode ready to go. It was ready to go for the next <laughs> week, and you know, and then of course I didn't say anything. I didn't say. I was like, "Hey, are you guys going to put this out?" Or what? It was nothing. I just said, "You know what? They'll do what they want to do when they want to do it." And then Elsie came back to me and said, "I want to." Put everything back in again, and and we're going to put a um, you know a, a note in the beginning to kind of explain everything. I don't know if you remember, but that episode that we recorded was a nightmare because it off. It was the only time we had where Elsie shut off ten minutes, shut yeah, off, and you talked exactly. ten minutes more, and then you guys tried to recreate it. So I had to go back in and try to
0: what a mess. It was it was, it a was mess.
2: A, yeah, it was a nightmare, but. For, for the grace of God, I had marked – put a marker everywhere where there was an Emily reference that I took out so that I could just go back in and put it back in again and then put the episode out. But, yeah, I mean when I was taking the, the uh, mentions out, I felt like I was erasing her. And I, it was a really – it was one of the most emotional – Chilling,
0: yeah. Yeah. Chilling.
2: Uh, episode I've ever edited. And I was just, you know, just pushing through. I was just like, okay. But I'm glad it went out the way it did. I think it was the, the right way to do it. I'm glad we left the mentions back in.
0: I mean, she's part of the story. I mean, part yeah. of podcasting, I think the only reason a podcast works is when you're transparent. I couldn't do this show if I couldn't talk about both what was happening last year with her, what's been happening with her all along. I just can't function that way. I don't know how to be that political. I don't know how to be – Jess on she podcast and then turn the microphone off and be somebody different I can't so like people have to know I have a heroin addict for a daughter people have to know she's mentally ill people have to know she died because I'm I'm so bad at acting <laughs> so like I, I feel like this is the best way you have to do it like if if you're listening and you're a great actress or you already compartmentalize your lie your life then it's gonna be easy for you I I always am transparent it's part of the reason why I have such a large social media following I think is that people know I'm always telling the truth like I'm not I'm not faking anything so when you see that I post about my daughter and 500 people have shared it and a thousand people have commented like that should tell you like and I don't mean to say like social media guru wise but like the truth about your life is what people need. They need you to be you. And so I just feel like, I don't know. I don't have a responsibility as a podcaster to share everything. But I do feel like the people who are listening to us want to know our lives in a way that I don't necessarily want to hide the, you know, like the the top 20%. So like – was it the last time we talked we talked about Kim Kardashian her eighty percent transparency uh, she, was, I, she 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 said in blog her that like eighty percent of her life was on camera
1: yeah, that's it yeah if you, you said that that it was on yeah. yeah that it was on camera, yeah
0: and like eighty percent's a lot, but I'm okay with letting you guys see whatever percentage that I'm showing.
1: And I think that, you know, that's the beauty of of being able to get behind the mic and give this because, you know, we were actually talking about with. So we do have an event, guys. (laughs) We still have Podfusion. It's still happening. We are still going to be going in the third week of February. That's going to be fueled by so much learning that has happened. It's not going to be a big
0: bummer. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a big big. bummer,
1: but it is going to be poignant. It is going to be collaborative. It is going to be different than what we started, whatever the vision was, because it's going to made up. It's going to be an event that is made up by the people who attend. And that's, I mean, that's duh, that, means, that seems that's, yeah, that's you. So, but, but see, you Chris, Chris Kramitzis and I had a conversation. Usually all three of us talk whenever um, Chris is a um, producer, founder, uh, co, I don't know if it's co-founder of uh, podcast, yeah. you know, and so he's great. He, you know, checks in with us and then just couldn't get on the phone this last time, so then I, it was just me talking with him, and he had, you know, some really powerful insight that this is sort of how we feel this episode to some degree. It's like, you know, people love Jess. People, you guys love her, and she's very lovable and and we all support her so very much. And when somebody has a death in the family, particularly of a child, there comes a point where we as humans, we don't know exactly what to do and and, which is fine. We, we, I don't think we should know a lot of this, right? So there's a, there's a level of like, here it is. I'm right here. And then you sort of remove yourself and you step back and then you say like, well, I'm just going to let her do what she needs to do. I'm going to continue on my path. I was going to attend, I was going to work with them. I was going to work with Jess on on sponsorship, but I'm going to let her be. But really what Chris mentioned is she needs to, Jess needs to tell us how to handle this situation. And I think that yeah, maybe, I don't really you know, want that. Unless you're so
0: freaked out by death that you can't be near someone who just experienced a loss, I don't really want that. And I don't really want people to come up to me and talk to me about it. And I don't really want people to not talk to me about it. I want you to do what you feel comfortable with. If you don't want to mention it when you're around me, fucking fantastic. And if that's all you want to talk to me about, even better. I don't care. But I don't want you to change your plans or your life because of this. Because I don't want to do that. I right. want things to go as normal. I want to be successful and productive. And I want this event to be just as good as it was going to be. And, and, like, what... and now I'm actually interested to know what it's going to be like to be away. And not be interrupted by her every 10 minutes. And <laughs> some kind of crisis. It's well, going think, to be a miracle. You know that,
1: that's what I'm saying. I'm What I'm saying to you is like exactly what you just said. It's telling people what to do. It's telling people... It's okay to behave in the way that they want. It's telling people to you say it's okay to exactly. You can yeah. it, just you can attend. You can have fun. Don't feel like it's going to be a bummer. Don't feel that you're going to get any less of Jess because of this. You'll get a deeper, richer, uh, more whiz, more wise even, Jess. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe out of this equation. But it's I'm not still immature, be- <laughs> so there's that.
0: We have that going for us still.
1: But um, but do you know what I mean? It's like you guys, it's it's we're still going, and part of why we're behind the mic like this, and why we love to do this, is because we st- we still love to do it. We still, yeah, we still want to do this stuff. I'm so- still
0: excited to teach Vox Pop and in depth interviewing and all the other things we we're gonna teach, and so. I really still want to see you guys, and actually, to be honest with you, it's going to really help me to be around my podcasting brothers and sisters. Totally. I love you people more than people should love other people they don't know and see a lot.
1: <laughs> and so, and so, therefore, you need to show up. You need to show Please up come. to to do the to do this pod fusion thing, to do this pod fest thing, because it is sort of really focused in a in a, for, in a different capacity yeah. for us serving each other. And really making it about community. I so. would even
0: be more honored that you would make an effort after this happening because now I know, on some small of subconscious level, there it feels like a risk. But yep. I don't. I don't think it'll be a risk. But I'm honored. I'm honored either way. I'm always grateful when people sign up to work with us, and I want it to be an amazing experience still. Um, and I'm not going to be a huge bummer because it's just not in my nature. Nor was it hers. She and I were the king and queen of inappropriate humor. My daughter and me. <laughs> So <laughs> So she used to say anytime somebody passed away she would always say me and my mom put the fun in funeral and it's true. Aww. We do. FUN. We put the fun in funeral. Anyway, so um it's not going to be different. It's going to be really fun. I do want you guys to come. Um if there are anyone if there is anyone listening who would like to sponsor our event separately from Podfest, email me, let me know or you can just email Feedback at ShePodcast.com and just let me know because I am going to still get sponsors. But I um you know just thought I'd make it a little easier on myself. If you're listening and you have a desire to get in front of the women who are going to take this event and take this course, and let we men. know. And the men. And the men, yes. Oh, we do have men. Yes, we do have men signed up. That's right. What else, Elsie? <clears throat> so, yeah, well- it's been an hour of me discussing... The ins and outs
1: of death on podcasting, and well, um, that's probably that's probably going to be the title of the show, "Death on Podcasting." Yeah, death and podcast. Um, so I would have, say this one. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go.
0: The last thing I just want to say, since we were just talking about do's and don'ts, is if you're ever feeling like she's the person is getting too many outreaches, and you're just going to be another face in the crowd. Ignore that feeling and let the person know you're thinking about them because you have no idea what it has meant to me. The people that have reached out to tell me, that even just that I'm in their thoughts or thinking about me, has meant everything to me. Everything in my sadness. It has been the one light. So thank you for doing that and never feel afraid to do that to somebody, even if you barely know them. It means so much. You have no idea. So that's all. I'm done now, Elsie. Right. Elsie, well, back good. to you.
1: Elsie, oh, no, Back to you. On that note, so um, we did have an entire a list uh, of show notes that we did not get to at all. Actually, sorry, but it's okay because we had to do. We actually had to do this. I think that this is be really important for everybody. Um, so basically, the the main focus here, guys, as we take the show out, is that we would love for you to attend PodFusion. Um mm-hmm. slash PodFusion. And mm-hmm. you will not regret it. Come over to Podfest, stay for the whole thing, and and start your podcasting journey from a place of oh my gosh, creativity and empowerment because that's how we're going to start it off this year
0: also before we go i just want to say like totally separately and having nothing to do with this pop fusion is really important elsie started a cool thing called elsie's emergency excitement where you know how she gets all hyped up about something and then it like goes away well she's now created an email you can get once a week where all the things she's excited about come to you in your email and you can check out all the things because first of all i don't think she can wait till we record and second of all they're not always recording podcasting appropriate so she put together the best email Elsie's emergency it. excitement how can oh. they get it
1: Elsie's emergency excitement yeah just look in the show notes please okay, thank yeah. you so much for notes. doing that i was dealing with my daughter she's
0: no i know yeah. but also so, i just thought it would be fun and then also do you still want me to talk or you, yeah you no no go now?
1: go ahead go ahead lc's emergency excitement yes link in the show notes for my own personal newsletter
0: yeah link in the show notes for that also thank you to John for being an amazing editor audioeditingsolutions.com and through my agency he's now starting to offer social media management and I'm excited about that so if you need an editor that also can write the tweets and schedule and do that kind of stuff for you he now has the capability of doing that but he's also just the best editor ever as you can tell by how amazing we sound and how much he cares about his subjects thank you John audio editing solutions and then also gosh is there anything on here that we really should have discussed that we didn't doesn't matter no there's like it
1: doesn't matter we have to go but we actually i mean there's some things that have happened in the space you know like i don't know just a bunch of crap that we could deal with next time it's nothing should this be like an extra episode we should do another episode Well, maybe on a, no, I think we should just keep it like this. This is good enough. We will address all of the news and information next time, but this needed to be said. And I think that this is a fantastic interview, uh, interview. Ooh, interview. Thank you. I know. Nice, (laughs) Jess. Nice to have you on the show. Thanks. Uh, Conversation. Thanks for having me. Uh, for it to need you know that we needed to be had. All the other stuff can come back. We've gotten some great feedback from you guys on past episodes. We have voice feedback, so in, 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 actually, you can send us some voice feedback. You can send that over to feedback at shepodcast dot com, um, and that's it. We'll come back with all our nice, wonderful news and information from the women's point of view here, all about podcasting and absolutely eight hundred other things, as our most uh, tweetable tweet says, um, and then we will get back to you guys <laughs>
0: next week yes. yes thank you guys so much for listening Yay. check us out twitter and facebook at she podcasts and we will see you next time Yay.